And uh, the actual lesson title that Josh made up was Becoming Partakers of the Divine Nature. So we started last uh, month, and Josh did a lesson that was based on the theme. And it was kind of an intro to verse 4, and it was primarily focused on um, life and godliness and how we have been given that, uh, how we can have access to that by God. Uh, Josh talked some about um, God's divine power, um, the knowledge of him who called us. Really, verse 3, from what I remember, it was a lot of what he discussed. So we're, we're really going to focus on verse 4, and in particular, just the phrase, becoming partakers of the divine nature. Um, it is good to, good to be here this morning. It's good to see everyone. Um, I know that Josh and Kirby, they were planning on being gone already, and that trip that they were planning on going on to D.C. got canceled or at least pushed back. So they went to Starkville, which I'm sure Kirby was really excited about, and I'm sure Josh was happy to uh, go over there with her. I know that drive is not fun, but you know you got to go see your family every now and then. So um, we miss them, and there are probably a couple other people that we can think of that we would like to see here that they aren't here. But for the most part, we have a really good crowd today. We have a full uh, crowd as far as the, our members, uh, the, the the normal people, if you will. Uh, almost everybody's here, so that's good. Not that all of us are normal, but. Um, <laughs> I'll include myself in not being normal necessarily, but um, it is good to see everyone. Um, so Second Peter chapter 1, I know that Daniel already read 1 through 4. I, I do want to read the whole section, 1 through 11. The, the, I think the better we understand and remember and maybe even memorize some of the aspects and themes in <laughs> verses 1 through 11 the more prepared we are for this whole year's study, but also the better we're going to be prepared for taking these things out into the world and really like putting them into practice, having the mindsets that we need to have and putting those things into actions. Um, so we'll begin with just reading verses 1 through 11 of Second Peter 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us all granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may, be, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For, every, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this... Way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you start at the end of that and work your way back, it 
really makes you understand how important all of these things are that, that we have talked about that we're going to talk about. The re- reason I say that is to start with verse 11, right? There is a passage, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of God. Well, that's pretty important. That's major. That is desirable. That is something that, uh, especially in considering the alternative, but just for those that are believers, if you just take that, just that I can have entrance into God's kingdom. Wow. Like, I, let's start there. And now that, now let's kind of work our way back a little bit. So we're, we're doing that. And in doing that, we are also uh, supposed to be practicing certain things which confirm our calling that is from God. Well, that's important. We know how important it is for us to confirm our calling. God has called us to something. Part of that calling is leading us to an entrance to the kingdom of God, right? So there's certain qualities and practices that I have to be mindful of. I need to be implementing my life. And so then that's kind of where we have verses 5 through uh, 9 there. Um, or 5 through 8, really. Um, and so as we, as we kind of go back and back, that's when we get to verse 4, where he talks about, through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. We're going to break this down a little bit. But what I do want to start with is something that I do remember Josh mentioning uh, last month. And that is that because there's two times in, in verses uh, two in verses three and four, he brings up something the divine, right? So in order for us to have any sort of idea of what is divine, it takes divinity to reveal that to us. In order for us to have part of that nature, it will take an effort by that which is divine for me to gain access to what is divine. And that kind of makes sense. Um, I shouldn't expect just in and of myself by my own hard work or my own determination to gain or understand or have access to what is divine because I'm not divine, right? That's, you have, have you ever heard people say that's above my pay grade? That's above my pay grade, right? It's, there's, a, there's a ceiling, and I cannot break through that ceiling. This is not just like a glass ceiling that's it's kind of there, but it's really not, but we know it's out. No, it's, it's an actual ceiling. I cannot go higher than what I'm capable of unless someone that is higher allows that passage. Unless someone that is higher makes, me, makes that way for me to get higher. Um, in companies, there's always someone above you, it seems, right? Unless you are the top dog. But even there, even then, there's somewhere else you can go. I just read that, I can't even think of the guy's name, but the guy that's CEO of Amazon just topped Forbes, right? He is the richest man in the world. He topped um, the other guy that's really rich that's worth billions and billions. Yeah, Gates, right? He topped Bill Gates. Um, and they're probably going to go back and forth and everything. But, you know, so maybe they don't have this idea of there's something higher that I can't attain. But maybe they do. Maybe they're, they're, maybe they're always just thinking about it in a competitive way. That's not what this is. This is not like a competitive way of thinking, I'm not divine, but I want what's divine, so let, let's just battle this out to see. That's not how this is. Um, really what, what it comes down to is the fact that if we want to become more God-like, it takes an effort on, on the part of God to draw me to, to that point, to get me there, right? I cannot be more like God without God either A, showing me that way or bringing me along for the ride. And, and honestly, it's, it's both. Um, so we're going to talk about that in a little more detail. But one of the things that Josh had made mention of is to be a partaker of what is divine, 
I need something that is divine to get me there. Um, so it's only through God's divine power that I'm able to partake of what is divine. Um, so I want to start there. That, that kind of helps us un- just frame the lesson and frame the idea of what it means to, to be in the divine nature, but also how I'm going to get there anyway. Uh, just to break down a few of the words, because I think it is helpful uh, to be a partaker. I think we know what that means. We, we did that, right, with the Lord's Supper. We partook of it. So it's a sharing. It's something we do together. You cannot partake of something by yourself necessarily. That's how it seems to me at least. If you, if you are partaking of something, it's an option for someone else to partake of as well. Um, even when I was a kid and I didn't want anyone to have any of my birthday cake, like it was still there for everyone to have, right? Um, and it's kind of the same with this. Being a partaker of the divine nature is not limited to just me. It is available and, and all have access to it. And really what we are partaking in is something that we are sharing with God anyway, right? So, and that goes into the divine nature. That's very simple. The, when it says divine, he means God-like. So God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about being partakers of, of the divine nature, we're talking about being uh, sharing in something that is like them, like God, right? And then the nature, it, it really just means they're... Um, not stature, but their like disposition, I think is the actual word that, that is used there in the Greek. So that really highlights the fact that we can be godlike, is what it means to be become a partaker of the divine nature. We can be more like God. And I want to explore a little bit more about what, what that even means or how we can do that. I think that one we already talked about one way, and that's the fact that we have access to eternal to his eternal kingdom. But another way is in his attributes and his character. So I just want to kind of break down verse three and four because I think that's the easiest way for us to understand right off the bat how we do this and what it means. So how can I partake of God slash Jesus divine nature? By the way, the reason I'm going to use God and Jesus interchangeably, I hope. I think that we all understand that's okay. And the reason I'm going to do that is because in verse 1, uh, when, when you look at the um, pronoun his in verse 3 and 4, you have to trail it back, right? And so if you look at verse 1, he's already lumped God and Savior Jesus Christ together. He does it again in verse 2. So as we talk about his divine nature, it's God and Jesus. Shared nature is, is the only thing, only conclusion I can come to. So let's break down... Uh, what this means. How can I partake of God's or Jesus' divine nature? Well, it looks like what, what Peter says is I'm going to do that through the precious and great promises of God because he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Well, I, I, I do not act, I'm not, I will never act like I understand, you know, grammar really very well or anything like that. But from what I can tell, he says that through them, it's through the promises that we can become partakers of the divine nature. So only through God's promises, only through the promises that are fulfilled by God can I become a partaker of what God is, right? But then if you kind of go back a little more, he says, by which he has granted to us his, so by what has he granted to us his promises? Well, he's done that through the knowledge of him who called us. So it's almost like, just through knowledge of him and who he is and his glory and excellence, 
he has granted to his promises. And through those promises, I have access to him. Um, so far, there's really, at no point have we seen where we come into play except for being the recipient of promises and the recipient of being part of his divine nature. So far, it's God did this, it's his knowledge, he's granted it, it's his promises, all of that. And then so if we kind of dial that back a little more, he says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So Josh talked a lot about that, right? Josh talked a lot about that a month ago, so I'm not going to reiterate what he said, but I do want to point out that if we want to know what it, become, what it means to become a partaker of of the divine nature, we're only going to do that through the promises, which we only understand and know by having knowledge of God. And that is something that he has chosen to reveal to us, not something that we can just say, I want to delve into this more. And that's just all there is to it. If you want to know more on a subject, you can go get books. But if you want to know more about God, only God can reveal more about himself to us. And it's through that knowledge that we come to know him. And through that knowledge of him, we come to see his promises. Through those promises, we understand what it means to be like him. And through that, we can become partakers of his divine nature. And as I was going through this, and I really thought about this yesterday, um, I, I kind of could stop there and just say, so go do that. Go know more about God. Go learn more of him. Go see his attributes. Go see his character as he makes promises. See how he fulfills promises and how he go, goes about goes about doing that and fulfilling his promises. And then from that, you can become a partaker of his divine nature. But I don't think that, uh, maybe some of you would be, would be okay with that. Um, I, I think there's a lot more to be said. And so because of that, I'm going to say more. I, I actually did consider yesterday thinking like, well, if there's not much more to say. Why should I? I don't, I don't want to talk more necessarily. Um, but there really is more to say about this. This is a big subject. So we're going to talk more about it. Um, so let's just kind of, all we're going to do is be reiterating and highlighting what we've already said, basically. Becoming a partaker of the divine nature for us is a special relationship with God. That's really what this means. Moses had this, and everyone could see it. I do want to turn to Exodus chapter 33. We're going to read two passages, one in Exodus 33 and one in Exodus chapter 34. As I considered... Who was a partaker of the divine nature? Who was one of the first ones I could think of? Well, I mean, Moses came to my mind. I mean, you could go back to Adam, right? And then you could probably go to Abraham. You could go to others. But Moses is the one that I thought of. And it's because of this one, uh, the, these, this one instance that we're going to read in just a second. But we're going to go ahead and start in verse number 7 of chapter 33 of Exodus. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. <laughs> And everyone who sought the Lord will go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would ascend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now let's go to chapter 34. Chapter 34, beginning in verse 29. This is as he has been on Mount Sinai speaking with God as well. 
When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the, all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So, um, a lot going on in this. A lot that doesn't really necessarily apply to us, but in some ways it, it loosely applies to us. The point I want to draw from this is that the same way Moses had this special relationship with God is the same way that we are to have that special relationship with God. And in that, he, is, he was being a partaker of the divine nature. The easiest way, I don't, I don't really want to guess or just assume I know a lot about what was going on between God and, and Moses, but I do know this. When Moses came down off the mount and his face was shining, that is a sign of him partaking of the divine nature of God. I know that because when we go and we see Jesus and we see him being transformed and we, the transfiguration and all of that, what was the, the, the thing that everyone, that those three disciples saw? He was shining, right? He was shining. And then they saw, uh, they saw Moses and Elijah, right? So whatever was going on there is the same thing that kind of is going on here. Also, the fact that the pillar of cloud was present, right? What, what did the pillar of cloud, um, what did it? What did that symbolize? The presence of God, right? It was following Moses. Moses went into the tent. There it was. And he spoke with God face to face. That's, that, from what I can tell, that's what it means to be a partaker of the divine nature. That relationship that Moses had with God, he could go speak with him. Everyone knew it. Everyone saw it. There was a sign that, that they could see that Moses had this relationship, that, they had, that he had this going on, because his face shone, and it scared them. So just to make a quick point, um, if, if any of us believe that we are partaker of, of the divine nature now and people can't see it, then we're not really a partaker of the divine nature. And I'm not saying your face is going to shine. You know, just, you know, you know, that, that doesn't mean just because you're smiling, just because you, know, you have a, a glow about you or whatever doesn't mean that you're a partaker of the divine nature. But people can see when the presence of God is near you. And when that is taking place, then that is a sign that you're partaking of the divine nature, the same way Moses did. So that, that was one example I thought would be helpful for us as we consider this. But really for us, it's the same thing as being a son or a daughter of God. When, when that relationship is described with being a child of God, we don't need to take that for granted. We don't need to put that as kind of like just a common thing. Being a son or a daughter of God, I, I really think that is the same as being a partaker of the divine nature. Um, and a way of thinking about this is that when, not only because of the name that you share with your parents or your family, but when you resemble them, when you look like them, when you act like them, people can see that, oh, there's this special relationship there, right? Um, I remember when I was, I guess I was in college, and 
so I was at Auburn and so a lot of people would come around and I would go visit a lot of places because I would just I don't know I was probably either chasing friends or chasing girls or just wanting to get away from school I, I, I whatever it took I didn't care I was I was gonna go places and I remember one time <laughs> I, I can't remember if I was visiting somewhere or if they were visiting Auburn I had said a prayer and uh, this nice I'm not going to call her older lady, but this nice lady came up and she said that, uh, she said, are you related to Dwight Edwards? And I was like, oh, that's, that's my granddad. She said, I could tell you, you look just like him. And I'm like, my granddad is significantly older than me. I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't, I don't dress like him. I don't look like him. I have more hair. My hair is a different color. Uh, I don't wear glasses. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't get it. And not that I don't, like the fact that maybe I resemble my grandfather. I just didn't understand what she was talking about. That didn't make any sense to me. Um, but it's a compliment, I, and I knew that. But what she meant was not that I necessarily looked like him. And maybe, maybe I did, but I mean, I didn't see my granddad when he was 30, right? Um, and maybe she didn't either. Maybe she was just saying that. Um, but what she meant was the way I spoke, the way I carried myself, just reminded her of my granddad. Well, is that not the same with all of you? I mean, you might be very different from your mother or father, but I guarantee you there are certain things about the way you speak, about the way you carry yourself. Maybe it is just the way you, there's something about you that reminds other people of where you come from, of your mother or father. That's going to be the same for us when it comes to God. You want to know what it's like to be a partaker of the divine nature? It means you're going to look like God. You're going to carry yourself like God. You're going to remind people of God, of Christ. Uh, there's going to be attributes there that are the same. So just to kind of reiterate that point, let's go over to 1 John chapter 2. When I was thinking about what passages highlight and show a, rela- a special relationship that we have with God, 1 John was the first book that came to my mind. Um, I love 1 John. I think it's very easy to understand, and I think that, that that's really what he's talking about is us being like God in all the different ways that we can do that. So 1 John chapter 2, I want to begin in verse 26 and we'll read through chapter 3 verse 2. John also has like 27 different reasons he's writing apparently. Uh, This is one of the few that he does list. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. You've been anointed. His anointing is teaching you. Abide in him. Walk in him. Live in him. And now, little children, abide in me so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Well, how are we God's children? Well, it all started with God. His anointing began all that, began that process. Then from there, we we learn of Him, we live in Him, and then we are called children of God. I think that's the same thing it means to be a partaker of the divine nature. As we know God better, we partake of his divine nature more and more. There's a few just examples that I thought of, of that maybe passages we could go to to 
to encourage ourselves or to remind ourselves of God's divine nature, his character, you can go to the armor of God in Ephesians. I think that's, that's a great place to go. You could go to, I don't know, 2 Peter chapter 1, and you can look at all of those qualities. You go to the fruit of the Spirit. All of those things are going to be ways that we can say, how can I learn more and more about God? Well, in that, I'm, if I put those things into practice, which is really what we're going to talk about in the coming months, I'm becoming more and more, I'm, I'm being more and more God-like in that. Another thing that I think would be helpful for us when it comes to just understanding what this means to be a partaker of the divine nature is to consider Jesus. Jesus as a man. It, it's not going to translate perfectly because Jesus didn't have to become a partaker of the divine nature. Jesus is the divine nature we are trying to partake of. But he definitely showed us in his life how we can become a partaker of the divine nature. Everything we've already talked about learn of God, listen to God, you know, walk in his ways, things like that. That's what Jesus showed us. Uh, that's exactly how, what he showed us in his life. He was always a partaker because he's divine. So I think, but I do think that there are some things that we can look at and we can see in his life that this is how we can, can have this special relationship with God. He spoke with God regularly. He listened to God. He only did what the Father instructed him. He walked according to the Spirit, and therefore we're showing another aspect of the divine nature, being led by the Spirit. By his very nature, he is divine, but when we see his character traits, that's what we can see and we can apply to ourselves. There's one other passage I do want to go to as we wrap up this point. That's Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, just want to read verses 24 through 27. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 24. The, this context of what's being discussed here, I don't think really applies to our subject today. Um, it's a lot about the law and a lot about um, the promise and Christ came and that kind of, I don't know how all that kind of worked together, the law and Christ. And, but as we kind of come to the end of that, beginning of verse 24, Paul says, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Even Paul here in Galatians talks about the fact that we have this relationship. We are in Christ. We are Christ. We are children of God. And we do that through faith. We do that through baptism. But all of this is kind of, it goes back to the promise. All that we're, we're Abraham's offspring and according to the promise. So we're, we have this relationship with God based on his promises, not based on our actions, our determination, um, not, not based on just how bad we want it or anything like that. This is all going back to, to God's promises that we have access to this. So the, the second thing I want to talk about is what shows that we are partaking of the divine nature. So just think about that for a second. How do we do this? What, what does that mean? How, how, what, what, what is going to be this, the sign? What's going to be the thing that shows 
that I am a partaker of the divine nature. Let's go back over to 2 Peter 1, because I think that the next phrase in 2 Peter 1 answers that question for us. 2 Peter 1, verse 4. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I think that's, what it, that's how we do it. That's how we show it. That's what it means. It's not gained by escaping the world altogether. That, that's not what he says necessarily. It's really gained by escaping the sinful desire. Now the world is full of sinful desire. So you could say, well, that means I just need to escape from the world. One of the qualities that is brought up, uh, one of the character traits that we are to increase in and abound in is self-control. I would say that's one of the biggest hindrances to us actually escaping sinful desire in the world is our own self-control. You can't run away from the world and expect to be more like God. What I mean by that is you you can't escape his creation, escape all the things that he's given to you and think that somehow by being a recluse, you're going to be more like God. In what way has God um, kind of dialed back and, and, uh, and um, become a hermit? God's not like that. God has openly revealed himself to all of us. If we're going to be more like God, then one of the things we have to understand is we have to be just like God in that way. But we don't let the sinful desires and the corruption of the world affect us. I just wanted to make sure we understood that what he's saying here is not that you need to go and take some rocket up to Mars or wherever and just live there. And that's finally when you can become a partaker of the divine nature, when you escape the world. The part of the world that we need to escape from is is the sinful desires of the world. I know that's difficult, and I know that because we fail so much at it, it seems like the only, the only thing left to do is just to escape. I mean, Im- imagine having the option of you can go and you can just live on a deserted island for the rest of your days. You can have all the things that, that, you, that you need. It's not just like you can only take one thing with you. You can have all the things that you need, food, clothing, all of that, um, but you're just alone, just you and maybe one other person, you and your spouse maybe. Uh, if you're not married, sorry, it's just you. You know, um, would that be the answer? No, it's not. It's not the answer at all. The answer really is just escape, escape the sin, right? You don't have to escape the creation from God. Just escape the, the corrupted part of it. Let's go back over to 1 John, just a couple pages probably. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, beginning in verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. If you've ever been to a major sporting event where there's, maybe it's a neutral site or maybe it's just, um, a big rivalry game where people are willing to travel great distances to, to go to that sporting event. When you look in the stands, if you were just to take like an overhead shot of the stands, 
there will be people dressed in one color or have one color scheme going on and there will be people with the opposite. They'll have the other teams, right? They're not always separated fully, are they? They're kind of all intertwined, right? But you can easily tell this person is on this side, that person is on that side. Um, Auburn and Alabama is a huge college rival, rivalry. Everyone knows it. Uh, in Alabama, you think it's the biggest rivalry ever, and then people from other places say, no, that's not right, um, but we know that it really is. So um, my first year at Auburn, uh, I was still – I mean, this has nothing to do with the lesson, but it's going to – I'll get there in a second. Um, I was still thinking maybe I'll just go with everyone else and have a good time, and I'll be an Auburn fan instead of an Alabama fan. So the first Iron Bowl I went to, the first Alabama-Auburn game in Auburn – it's my freshman year. I go and I'm thinking, what do I wear? I don't know what to wear. Like I've, I've been wearing my Auburn shirt for every other game this year, but I still go for Alabama because that's what I grew up liking. So I wore like a red shirt underneath. It was in you know November, so <laughs> it was kind of cold. Underneath a hoodie. And I was like, I'm not showing anybody this because I know that deep down I'm going to go for Alabama. If you take an overhead shot or just take like a picture of the stands, you'd see me in like a, I don't even know what color it was. It was like blue and yellow hoodie. Uh, I didn't fit in with anybody, okay? And that was what I wanted. I didn't want anyone to know. What I should have done is been saying, here I am. This is who I'm going for. This is what I'm about. I was scared. I didn't want to, I, I just wanted to blend in, right? Or I could have gone the other way and said, nope, I'm, I'm bailing on being that type of fan. Now I'm with everyone else. Now I'm just one of the crew, right? Now I'm part of the crowd. Well, if we're going to take this to a spiritual level, and if we're going to kind of just to go back to 1 John 3, when God looks at us, when he looks at his, quote, unquote, the, the stands, you know, when he looks at the stadium that we are in as far as just us and everyone in the world, maybe our community or whatever, um, it's not going to be about the colors that you're wearing, but can God see who's on one side and who's on the other? And the answer is yes, he can. And I might want to kind of secretly be on one side, but outwardly you can't tell. I'm just neutral. But that's not how, that's not how it works with God. Because what he, see, what he says here is that by this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? It might not always be evident to you and me, but it is evident to God. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So if you want to be a partaker of the divine nature, if you want to escape the corruption of, of the world and escape the sinful desire, then you need to live in the world, but you need to practice righteousness and stop sinning. And in that, God, it is evident to God who, are, who if you are his or not. Another passage that I want to read quickly is 1 John 4. Since we're open there, 1 John 4, beginning of verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. 
Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of ever error. Excuse me. So it's not just about practicing righteousness and, and living your life. There, there needs to be something spoken. If you are of God, you confess God. If you are of Christ, you confess Christ. You don't shrink back. So it's not just necessarily how I live my life and the charitable deeds I do. It's also the things I say. I proclaim God. I proclaim Christ as my King, my Savior. Again, I do want to say I don't think we're expected to escape from the world, but rather the sinful desire of the world. You could argue that it's impossible to escape the world uh, the, the sinful desire, desires of the world if you're living in the world. And I would say that, again, consider Jesus. He did. He's our forerunner. He's our, the author and finisher of our faith. And, and he actually chose to come into the sinful world and yet was unstained. He was never held by sin, so therefore he didn't have to escape the sinful desire or escape the corruption. But we have been. We have been held by sin. We have been entangled and entrapped in sin. So therefore, we have to escape. But we can by looking to Jesus, and we can by relying on God. So the last thing I want to focus on is I just want to ask one question and talk about it a little bit. And the question is, is it necessary to partake of the divine nature? Talked about what the divine nature is talked about um, how we can even become the part of the divine nature. Is it necessary? Is that something that I should, that do I have to do that? <laughs> I mean, why do I have to become a part of the divine nature? Can't God just make me that or understand that it's impossible for me to do that? Well, if I want any aspect of his nature, if I want any of it, then yes, I have to become fully become a partaker of the divine nature. If I want eternal life, if I want that aspect, I have to. If I want any aspect, if I want love to be shown towards me, if I want grace and, or mercy, any, any aspect of God, if I want any of that, I have to go all in to become a partaker of the divine nature. Really what we're talking about is changing who we are fully. Um, so if I, if I buy nature in one way and I change that, then I'm leaving behind what I once was. And I know we're kind of getting into just what it means to be a Christian and how you become a Christian, but it's kind of sim- to simplify, that's what this is. That's what this lesson is about. As our knowledge of God declines, though, so does our sharing in his divine nature and therefore sharing in his practices. So as our knowledge of God increases and grows, the more our sharing in his divine nature grows. And really, it's all, this is all a response to the calling and the promises of God. It leads us to a life that reflects the character of the divine one that we are responding to. It's hard for me to really put into words effectively what's, what's going on when we talk about this, the fact that God calls us, he makes promises. Um, it's our, we, we can respond to it one way or another. And when we do respond to it, we're actually becoming more like him. It's hard for me to grasp all of that. 
But I can't help but just think, I, I need to thank God for that. Because he set up a plan so I can become more like him, and he's done everything and made the pathway very clear for me to be able to do that. Um, one thing that is obvious, though, is that I must answer the call. You must answer the call. God calls us by his attributes, his grace, his faith. He, he has been faithful. And he calls us to share in his attributes. Um, through that, through his promises, we see more about him. And it's really all dependent on him. And all we do is accept and receive and follow. I remember when I was in college, uh, I would... There, a lot of my friends were really active, really athletic, and you know, really fit. And I was thinking, well, I I like hanging out with them. Uh, I want to I want to do the things they do. So I want I want to get like them, right? Really, I just wanted to share with them in in the things that they did. And I wasn't able to keep up. So what I decided was, well, I just have to be dedicated. I have to I have to really I gotta lose weight. You know, I gotta go to the gym. I gotta watch what I eat. I have to eat only grilled chicken. It felt like, and that was it. Um, I have to drink a lot of protein shakes and just skip meals and do a lot of cardio. And I didn't know what I was doing, Robin. So don't you don't have to shake your head. I I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, that's just in my mind. That's what I needed to do. Uh, but and and it worked for a while. It really did. It worked for a while. But I really wasn't becoming more like them at all. It was just like my effort in being like I want to be kind of like them. But they, were, they had their own thing they were doing. And I just wanted to, on the surface, to look as if I was, you know, looking kind of like them. That was all my effort. That wasn't them, like, teaching me anything. That wasn't them helping me along. In everything else in life, if, if, if I want to become a certain thing, it's, it's all about my effort. In this one thing, that's not the case. If you want to become something different than what you are, and become more like God, become more like Christ, it is a total reliance on God and Christ. Now, in that way, it is your effort because you're relying, you're choosing to rely on him. But he's the one, he is the one that shows us his attributes. He's the one that imparts that. He's the one that draws us. What we can do is we can listen, we can follow and we can just kind of just be, like I said, be a recipient of it. So it, that does take a few qualities. That does take some humility. That takes a lot of humility. Because sometimes I want to live my life the way I want to live it. <laughs> well, if you want to become a partaker of God, you can't do that. Um, it, become, it, it, it takes me, uh, like, like I mentioned, it's going to be a lot of these qualities up here. It's going to be being faithful. It's going to be putting on... Um, excellence, it's going to be uh, gaining knowledge, it's going to be self-control, uh, it's going to be godliness, it's going to be brotherly affection, it's going to be love, all of those things. But all those things are from God. So the interesting thing is that even as I try to do those things and put those things on, all I'm doing is receiving the things that God has given me anyway. Just to kind of wrap up, if you look at up examples of God's divine nature, you're going to see at least a few scriptures that I noticed are speaking about creation and what God is able to make. A great example of God's divine nature is that he creates and makes things from nothing. But he also changes what is already created 
in order to fulfill his purpose. That's another way that God shows his divine nature. He takes what's already there and makes it different. That's how we fit into this. We're already created. And in certain ways, we, we already reflect God's nature just because he created us. But in many ways, we are not reflecting his nature. So God must change us. God must take us and he must mold us and shape us so that we are actually part of his divine nature and partaking in that. We do that through his promises. We do that from going from one pursuit fully to another pursuit fully. We go from one nature to a totally opposite one. We go from being unclean and temporal to being cleansed and purified and eternal. And the only way I know how to say that it happens is by the grace of God that we have that. So just to kind of wrap it up, I think I've repeated myself about three or four different times. But I, I don't know a better way to put it than what Peter says. Is if you want to be a partaker of the divine nature, which really leads you to having access to the eternal kingdom of God, then what you have to do is you have to escape the corruption that's in the world because of its sinful desire. It, it's on us. That, that, it's, it's our fault that that sinful desire is there. The devil obviously doesn't help in that, but it was our choice. But it all is going to go, so that's on us to, in order to kind of fix it, if you will. But really what, what it's going to take is growing in knowledge, more understanding of God's promises, seeing his character, and just being more like God. And that's what it means. So if you, um, I, I know that, we, we always say we have like an invitation or at least a, a call to examine yourself, if you will. Um, I would say that the thing to focus on today and to leave this lesson with is are you reflecting the nature of God in your life? And if not, then what you need to know is that God can change your nature if you will allow that. He can mold it to be more like him. But you have to allow that process. You have to kind of allow that spark to take place. And then God will definitely do the work. And you can just keep on. Uh, I, th I think that when people fully give themselves over to God to just be molded and kind of, to take another phrase from the sporting thing, trust the process, if you will, um, then you're, you're, you're kind of amazed at the effects of it and other people around you see it your face might not like might not shine like Moses but your life is definitely changed and people can see it and they can see the presence of God in your life so I would say focus on that be more like God and that's really how you can become a partaker of this divine nature we are here for each other we're here to help with that none of us are perfect in that none of us have can say that we've made it if Paul didn't say it if Peter didn't say it I'm not going to say it. But we can help each other out. We can hold each other accountable. We can call each other brother and sister. And we can um, pray for one another as we strive to uh, all be more like God. So Richard does have a song that he's going to lead. And if you need to make some sort of public confession, 
then you do have this opportunity. But I would strongly encourage you that even if you don't feel the need or you don't feel like you have the courage even to make something public, then if you need to make a change, you need to talk to somebody. So do that uh, maybe after the song when we're all talking.